Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Now, this is going to be kind of an interesting night because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed. And uh, I was listening to Billy Cole the other day. I'm so glad I have an internet. I went back to Because of the Times and he got up at, I think it was in 1995, and he said, uh, it's going to be a really short message tonight, but God gave me a message for you. And it was. I love the guy, but you know one thing about Billy Cole? When he starts to laugh, always watch out because he's going to follow it up with a one-two punch. And then he'll bring you back again because he'll laugh again. But um, tonight I just want to share some thoughts with you. And to start out, I hope, I, I sent the picture to Brother Marty. I don't know whether it went through or not, if you can bring that up. Hopefully. I heard a groan up there. But it's, uh, I want to talk about a picture in a picture tonight. There it is. Praise God. Isn't that a lovely looking guy there? Now, you see when you first glance at that, what do you see? You see a man? Now, some of you have seen this picture before because you've saw it on Facebook. So you can't, you've got to be honest with me. But there's, that, that picture to most people looks like a man, but it's not necessarily a man. Because if you look at it closely, it's an animal. Can you see it? You can't? It's a dog. Oh, it's you can't, hard to see it on that screen up there, but if you look at the other one, you can see it closer. Yeah, if you look up there at, at that screen, can you see the dog? See, his ears are part of the beard. And his eyes are in the beard and his nose is at the tip of the other guy's nose. His tail comes out from underneath the hat. Once you see it, you'll never get it out of your imagination. You... Can anybody see it? Well, I, I call that a picture in a picture. It's, it's like life. It's, it's like seeing something that's going on in your life and you perceive it one way. But when you really pray about it and seek God and fast, that picture changes completely into something different. Now, not everybody's going to be able to pick up the picture. And I, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Not everybody's going to have the the ability to see the picture within the picture. I, I think about Paul. He's one of my favorite guys in the New Testament. You still like that? Has, did, you, did you see the dog? How many saw the dog? Okay. Now on Facebook, they said only 2% of the people could ever see it. You have to be a genius to see that. I laugh when I see that stuff. 
Only 1% of the people in the world will ever be able to find this problem in this, this diagram. In two minutes, I'm saying, really? Either I'm extremely smart, and I've been told that I'm not, more than once, or it's pretty easy. But I, I want to, I'm just going to go with the flow tonight. It's going to be a really relaxing evening, so we'll be done early, I'm sure. I need to understand when I'm sharing the gospel, or when I'm sharing a testimony or a witness, what is so evident to me may not be evident to them. Have you ever said, what is the matter with the world? Are they clueless? I have to confess a sin. Okay? Pretend you're Catholic tonight. I'm confessing a sin. I had a guy say something to me and I could not help myself. Honest, I... It came out before I could stop it. I said, are you really that stupid or are you faking it? Because what he said was utterly ridiculous. Now, you, you may look at me and say, Brother Kylie, I know you have felt the same way. Especially when you look at the world. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. And he says this, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I'm known. I was at the gas station this morning. Have you ever ever had a desire for a drink? Now, you can make coffee at home, but there's something about a particular place, how they make something that is just, I have to leave the I can make it here. I love hot chocolate. And so I, in Eagle, there's a gas station. You'd say, how could they ever make good hot chocolate? It is the best hot chocolate and my wife said, you're going to drink. It's all sugar. I said, I don't care. It's great. So I put on my mask, and I went into the gas station. And of course, the mask was fogging up my glasses. And I nearly knocked over a counter. And I thought, I'm more concerned about breaking a leg now than picking up a virus. But it, it's... It's really difficult when you can't see, when your glasses fog up. And I know you know what I'm talking about. It's frustrating. Have you ever been reading and your glasses have a smudge on them, if you wear glasses? Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking How do you feel? How frustrating is that? And then you get your, your handkerchief out which is a dumb idea because if you blew your nose in it, it's only going to make it worse. 
I know it's grossy out. But nobody likes to see through something that blocks their view. And Paul is saying, when you look at eternity, when you're looking past the carnal, temporal things of our life that you're experiencing right now, it's like looking through a dirty glass. Now I see through a glass darkly. But then he goes on to say, there is coming a day. There is coming a time when the shadows will be removed and the light will shine and all those things that you have not seen will come into view. That's what faith does. Faith allows us to keep walking through the shadows knowing that the light is about to shine. Now, if you would not mind... I, sometimes I really hate to do this because as a middle child, I have a terrible life because I am so concerned about what people think about me. It's terrible. I wish I could be like Michael Kiley. He doesn't care. He doesn't. And sometimes I say I envy him, but so I, I hope you don't feel bad about me reading something to you that I wrote. It's sort of like a Christmas story. It's, it's, not, it's, it's about five minutes. And I thought I could tell you the story, but there's something about the written word that, in, that has more uh, facts in it because I've actually thought about how I want to present it. Um... Let me try. Let's see where I was starting out. It was nearing Christmas, and the college I was attending closed down for Christmas break. I was heading back home, but ended up leaving late, very late in the day. I was so looking forward to seeing my family and could not wait to get back home. I left the Minneapolis area, and as I was entering into Wisconsin, I heard a call for help on my CB radio. A trucker had broken down along the interstate, and he needed a lift. I hesitated for a moment since it was already late at night, but thought I would help him get to a place where he could at least get warm and get the help he needed. Well, I ended up taking them all the way to their destination, which was in my general direction, but involved leaving the interstate much sooner than I'd planned on. Now, some of you may be thinking that was a real dumb thing to do since you had no idea of who you were picking up. All I can say is that at that time, I really felt impressed that this is what God wanted me to do. There were two drivers that got into my car. They were team driving, and the company was sending equipment to remove the tractor and trailer. 
Well, one went off to sleep right away in the crowded back seat. It was nearly full with all of the holiday gifts I was carrying back to Milwaukee. However, the second driver who sat in the passenger seat and I talked for several hours. We talked about his life and he shared a sad story. Over those two hours, I shared with him the love of God and this gentleman absorbed it. It seemed every word that I shared. I want you to really concentrate on that. Maybe you'll relate to what I'm about to say. In that car, the presence of the Almighty seemed as thick as honey and even more sweet. I could just not drop them off at a truck stop when I I felt that God had ordained this visit. We both were changed that night. The driver, because of the hope and the spiritual insights he had received. I was changed also for God was going to teach me my own lesson in practical Christian living. That night I felt like a vessel that God had filled with his love and mercy and I was just able to pour what he had entrusted me right into this man's heart. All I can say is I felt so close to this gentleman when he left. After I dropped them off and as I drove away, I raised my hands to heaven and thanked God for this encounter. I remember feeling so close to God as we worked as a team that night to give this man hope. Me the vessel, God the anointing. I know this will sound strange, but the atmosphere inside that car that night was so spiritually charged, I asked God for a miracle. I was not specific. I just felt so close to God that I thought, Lord, we're so close together. Why don't you do something special, like light up the sky or something like that? I just asked for something supernatural. I remember as soon as the last word left my mouth, all of the things I had stored on my driver's visor fell down and hit my forehead on their way to my lap. I inhaled sharply. I was so surprised, and I remembered saying, Lord... Maybe I'm not quite ready for that yet. I think both God and I laughed together at that moment. However, it was when I came back down to earth, I noticed my gauges. I had been so involved in my conversation, I'd forgotten to fuel my vehicle as I had planned along the interstate. I was now far off the interstate, And the time was nearly one o'clock in the morning. I felt a sense of panic. This was back in 1976. And we did not have self-service gas stations at that time. How could I have been so stupid, I thought. The fuel gauge stayed on moving, on empty. I remember asking God for help, 
and then grabbing the microphone on my CB and speaking into the empty night for someone that might know of a place where I could fuel my car. I have to tell you, I was between Nielsville and Wisconsin Rapids. Between. Now you know how desolate it is there. I really did not expect anyone to answer at one o'clock in the morning. There was no chatter on the radio. Matter of fact, as I've got written, after leaving the interstate, all chatter had ceased. Then, all of a sudden, a strong masculine voice spoke to me through the speaker and said there was a gas station that was open just ahead of me and not to worry that he was right behind me if I were to need him. I was surprised that someone had answered. I was amazed that this person even knew where I was and what direction I was driving. Sure enough, about a mile ahead, in the middle of the night, miles from any city, there it was, a gas station, and it was open. I pulled up to the pump, and I got out of my car. I wanted to wave to the stranger and thank him, but no one came and no one answered on my CB. Then a voice seemed to speak inside my head and said, you wanted me to light the sky, but really what you needed was a tank of gas. I've never forgotten that night, for it seemed that God had shown me a picture of himself I had never seen before. Again, as I stood there, I felt overwhelmed with gratefulness and appreciation. I've often wondered if the man who pumped my gas was there because he couldn't sleep that night, or if it was really an angel. To me, either way, he was an angel. Whether the humankind or the heavenly kind, it does not matter. Remember the picture you see may have a picture in a picture. And do not be hasty in assuming that you see everything that God wants you to see initially. I've never forgot, forgot that night. I saw one thing and God saw what I didn't see. And you know what? In your life, God sees the things that you can't. The things that you can't perceive, he sees clearly. And all of a sudden, we feel like, oh God, oh God, look what's happening, look what's happening. And God says to us, I saw this days and weeks and months ago. I've already got a plan. You're just perceiving something that was there all the time. I'd like to tell you another story, and I'm not going to read this one, about a man in the 6th and 7th chapter of the book of Acts. I like this guy because he's got the same name I do. They call him Stephen with a PH. But it's still a Greek 
derivative of Stephen with a V. They mean the same thing. It's a Greek name. Which means crowned. Crowned. Not like my brother used to do with me with the ball bat. But crowned like royalty. And Stephen really was a man of royalty in a sense, even though he didn't wear a crown. Let me read you something from the sixth chapter, verse six, or chapter six, verse one, and I'm going to read down to probably around verse 11. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the, of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. I, I want you to stop there because you may miss something in this picture that I'm, I'm showing you. The growth of the church is really at this time in the book of Acts, just in Jerusalem. Just in the second chapter, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and 3,000 people are saved, and then another 4,000. But the growth of the church is basically centered in Jerusalem. And that's what it says. Multiplied in Jerusalem, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. <clears throat> and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Well, I thought he was to serve tables. I thought that was his job description. He was to serve the widows. You know what? I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't care if you're an electrician or you work on the heating system, if that's your job, you're still designed to be a soul winner. You still have the same power the pastor has as far as the anointing. That same Holy Ghost was given to all of them alike. I don't have a different Holy Ghost than you do. The same God that works through my hands and my mouth works through your hands and your mouth. And it did not impede Stephen at all. But notice the story starts to change. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, one of them of Cilicia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. Now in Jerusalem it's said, and I, I'm going to have this number wrong, but I think I'm going to be pretty close because I didn't write it down when I was reading the commentary. Roughly 200 synagogues, different groups of people in Jerusalem. Sounds like a lot. 
but it's just like our churches in this country. The Greeks had theirs and another group had theirs. Every segment of, of society from wherever they came had their own synagogue, just like Stephen had his synagogue. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. It's the same game book that they used to accuse Jesus of. They haven't really changed their plans at all. And they sat in the council looking steadfastly on him. And verse 15 and saw his face that had been the face of an angel. Now this is the third time since the second chapter of the book of Acts that the Sanhedrin has gotten involved with the disciples. The first time they gave them a warning. The second time they gave them a scourging. This time they're going to take his life. The seventh chapter of the book of Acts is an important chapter because up to this time, most of the persecution came from the leaders. But with Stephen, that all begins to change and the, and the disciples and the early Christians see that now it's not just the leaders, but the people are starting to change and persecute them. Those, a lot of those people that stood up against Stephen were, were people, normal Jewish people. And it had a dramatic effect on the early disciples and Christians. You know, when I, I look at Stephen and his character, I see a pretty zealous guy, much like St. Paul. He was outspoken for his faith. And you say, I wish I could be outspoken. I wish I could be like Paul. And you know what I've seen? And this is, I think I'm right with this. When I came into the church in 1972, and my brother and sister-in-law will tell you, I was really introverted. But when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I changed from an introvert to an extrovert. There's something about the love of God placed inside a human heart that causes people to notice others beside themselves. An introvert is someone that is very self-conscious. An extrovert is people-conscious. A Christian is God-conscious. When Paul started, or Stephen started his message in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, he was very organized. It was like he was following notes. He reminded them of the hypocrisy of their fathers. He went through the pattern of Israel's apostasy throughout all those generations. When you read that, it was like he had actually written what he was going to say before he said it. That comes from the anointing. Any preacher, any teacher, even a Bible study teacher, I shouldn't say even, especially Bible study teacher, 
will tell you that oftentimes when they teach, they share things that they didn't even know. In other words, or, or even a scripture that they had forgotten that they'd even read. God brings all those things back to their remembrance. Fear not what you shall say, for it shall be given to you at that time. In other words, Jesus is saying, I will put inside your thoughts though the knowledge that you need to disperse at the moment that you need to disperse it. So fear not what you shall say. Because I will put an anointing inside you of things that I want you to say at the moment that I want you to say it. And when we look at the message that Stephen preaches in Acts 7, it's like God was speaking to the people from the throne of God himself. Do you realize that in the book of Acts, now I'm going to say something. I, I, can't, I can't just throw out numbers anymore because you have Google. I had one guy Google me during service. And after service, he said, I, Brother Russ, I Googled you while service was on and you were wrong. So now I'm really paranoid about what I say. So I'm going to, I'll do it. I'll be a genius. This is genius, genius. Bible trivia question. Can anybody tell me how many books or chapters are in the book of Acts? 28? Somebody Google that. I'm just teasing you. So I was thinking it was that, but I didn't want to take a chance that I was wrong. So out of 28 chapters, two of those chapters are devoted to one individual. Really, it's, the 6th and 7th chapter of the book of Acts are all concentrated on this event. This event was Stephen. So it's got, in the sight of God, what's taking place has to be extremely important because the book of Acts is the foundation upon which the church is built. So he preaches this message, and just like on the day of Pentecost, the people are convicted but they're not convicted onto repentance. They're convicted onto anger. See, as a pastor, I realize that when I preach the gospel, I'll always get a response. Some of the conviction that falls upon people will lead to repentance. Some of the conviction that falls upon people will lead to anger. And they'll storm out and never come back. In this case, the conviction that was presented through the preaching, the anointed preaching of Stephen, brought anger. And he would not stop. I was involved in another discussion lately, and I, I really pray in the morning. I say, God, I know I'm getting old. Every time I look in the mirror, and I know I'm getting cantankerous, I know that I don't have as much patience as I used to have. And Lord, I'm praying that I don't stick my foot in my mouth or say something I should not say. So I'm in another situation where somebody's really got me going. 
And an old saying pops into my mind. There's only one person that's worse than a fool. Do you know who it is? A person that argues with a fool. And so the Lord put that in my mind. I said, just shut up. Leave it alone. Walk away. But Stephen didn't. Stephen was hammering at home. It says in verse 54, when the, San, the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and noticed the picture that he sees. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And it says, look, in quotes, Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He saw a picture in a picture. And just like the picture I showed you tonight, you really didn't see the dog when you first saw it. And those people that were with Stephen When they looked up, they didn't see Jesus standing in the authority of God. They saw just the sky. What I'm saying is this. Oh, get this, get this. This is good stuff. I know this is good stuff because I was excited when I thought about it. I'm still excited. Sometimes, picture Stephen. He's looking at all these people. You can hear their teeth clicking together. Just like my mother's used to click when her plate would fall when she'd talk. It used to bother me. Click, 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 click. I almost bought her some of that glue. But I knew she wouldn't use it anyways. But see, he sees this and they're, they're gnashing. And the picture, all the people are picking up stones. He knows that he's going to die. This is a terrible situation. There's no place to run. He's surrounded. And then all of a sudden, he sees a picture in a picture. And instead of seeing those that were about to kill him, he sees Jesus in authority and power. And he sees heaven. There's going to come a time in your life, if you haven't had it happen already, where you're going to be in such a terrible situation and such a bad pickle, and all you're going to see is problems coming at you like darts. But all of a sudden, God is going to reveal to you something that you have not seen. I don't even think that the stones bothered him. Once God gave him that vision of what really was taking place, nothing else mattered. The Bible says his face shone as of the face of an angel. They couldn't see the picture. But you know how, where the reflection was coming from? I think that reflection of the light of the Shekinah glory of God was coming from what he was seeing. They saw his face as the face of an angel, just like when Moses, 
came down from Sinai, the Bible said his face was so bright that they had to put a veil on it so that they could even look at him. So where's that coming from? It's coming from something that other people cannot see. When you're facing a battle and other people see that, boy, they're, I'm glad I'm not them. I'm glad I'm not in their position. But all of a sudden, God shows you what they don't see, and they all of a sudden see the glory of God shining on you. They can't see the picture. They can't see what you see. But they can see the glory that is reflecting from God on your face. That's why the Bible says you shall be witnesses of me. Because when you are anointed with God, they might not see the God of the anointing, but they're going to see the effect of his glory in your life. I can think um, of other instances, and I'm just going to give you one more example. Oh, by the way, the rest of that picture is in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, after the, he was the first Christian that was killed. Stephen was the first martyr of many, many, many more martyrs that were to come in the Christian faith. But his death it forced the church to disperse because the Christians were just sort of huddling down in Jerusalem. They'd set up camp. They were content. But with the persecution that arose after Stephen's preaching, it changed the whole picture of the church because now the church dispersed into all the world. And that's what the Bible says Jesus wanted them to do in the beginning. Go ye out into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, we're content to come to church and we'd stay here forever. But sometimes God sends something into the church or into your life to get you out of the place that you're at and get you to the place that he has sent you. And that was the case of the church. My last example tonight is this. I don't think I'm going to read it because I, I, I don't want to take the time you know the story really well. Remember Elisha? He was, he was showing the king of Israel what the king of Syria was going to do before he did it. And the king of Syria was really getting upset over this. Who, and he said, who's the guy that's the traitor in my cabinet? Which one of my leaders here is giving the king of Israel all this knowledge because every time I go someplace, they're already prepared for me. Well, God was revealing to Elijah what Syria was going to do before they did it. And the king of Syria was losing resources. He was losing men. And he was losing respect. And his pride was infected. I said that to say this. He wasn't a happy camper. And there wasn't anything that he would rather do than to kill Elisha. 
because it was told him that Elijah was the one that was feeding information to the king of Israel. So he didn't send the rangers. He didn't send the SEAL team. He sent the whole ball of wax for one man. He sent an army out to kill one man. They surrounded the place where he was. And I think his name was Gehazi. See how I prefix that with think, so you can't nail me if I'm wrong? That's the middle child, by the way. The middle child said. Gehazi looked out and he saw the picture. Picture. The picture was terrible. There were soldiers everywhere. Column after column, all with swords, all with spears, chariots, and they're all big, monstrous, giants, huge. And it says he was very fearful. He says, oh, master, what are we going to do? I don't, I don't fault Gehazi. I'm raising my hand. I've been there. There's been times in my life where I felt just like that. When everything seems to be falling apart and everything seems to be against me and I don't have any place that I can go to get away from it. And then Elisha does what I did tonight. He says, hold on, hold on, hold on. Gehazi, look at the picture again. Look out the window again. And he says, God, would you show him the true picture within the picture? And all of a sudden, just like some of you, when you saw the dog tonight, I said, oh yeah, there's a dog in it. That isn't a man, it's a dog upside down. Gehazi saw that the chariots of the Lord surrounded the enemy. Fire, not just regular chariots, fiery chariots. That means these chariots were spiritually governed and anointed by God with power. All of a sudden, Gehazi says, that's cool. Wow, I'm not afraid anymore. So to close tonight, this is my, my closing. I want you to stop looking at the picture that's causing you to be afraid. I want you to get your Bible out and I want you to get on your knees and if you have to, I want you to fast and I want you to say, Lord, show me the picture that you see, not what I see. And you know what will happen? It might, happen, might not happen right away. But all of a sudden, when that, I saw that dog for the first time, that dog jumped right off the page. And I said, duh, how couldn't I have seen that? I want God to reveal the purpose and the protection and the provision 
that you don't see in your life. And when you see it, more than likely, you're going to be just like a Hazai and feel somewhat foolish because it was there long before you ever saw it. So, as Brother Griffin used to say, remember Brother Griffin, Brother Kylie? Do you remember the time he came to church in Economic and preached for us? And him and Brother Blank got together on a Saturday night and they had a salsa eating contest. Brother Griffin had been bragging about how he, he ate hot sauce, he could eat the hottest hot sauce. And I, we watched at the table as they stuffed this super, super, super hot sauce that nobody would ever touch until they virtually, well, they didn't act sick, but they looked really bad. And I remember the Sunday morning, we were wondering where Brother Griffin was. We thought he, was good, he wasn't going to show up, but when he came into the church that morning, he didn't look good at all. But he had a saying, and I am closing. When, and I, it's not just for preaching, but it's for testifying. The three S's of a successful message, the most important is stand up, speak up, shut up. Because I think God has related to you tonight what you really needed to hear. Because there, the Bible says there's going to be great fear that comes upon the face of the earth when the world starts to see those things that are coming upon it. But I want God to show you what's really there. Let's stand together. I really feel with all my heart that this message was given to me to give to you tonight. God just doesn't give me something if it isn't meant to be for someone. And I don't care if it's just you in this room or if it's somebody that's looking at it from home or someone that's going to look at it five years from now. Stop dwelling on the picture that you see and ask God to show you the picture that you can't see. Lord Jesus, tonight, I am so thankful for your word. I'm thankful that we can get together and we can talk as a family and we can laugh and, and share and be serious at times and cry together. But Lord, most of all, I'm thankful that you shine through your church and that you shine... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.